Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Providence Journal's College Basketball Podcast. This is Bill Koch, sports writer for the Journal, from my Warwick home on a lovely Friday morning. Uh, I am joined, as always, by my co-conspirator, the sports director for ABC6, the weekend co-host of Cordishian Coit on WEI Providence. Nick Coit, ladies and gentlemen. Coity, how we living? Living great, Bill. Uh, getting close to the... Uh... Close to the holiday here, which is which is really great. It comes up very very fast. Uh, that means we got some good college hoops. We've been going through rivalries here, and obviously, I uh, sent out uh, an invitation to uh, a certain Christmas party this week as well. So we're uh, we're all excited. It's the holiday season for sure. For folks who can't see me on the Zoom, I'm very excited to uh, receive <laughs> an invitation to the Coit Condo Holiday Party, uh, the fifth edition. <laughs> correct, fifth edition. Fifth edition. I know. Yeah. Amazing. Time flies, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I know it does. Uh, I mean, it really does. And and we're reminded, uh, you know, on the college basketball calendar of, of how quickly time does go by. We are a full month into the season now. Um, we have one last full week before Big East regular season play begins. Um, you know, we're, we're there already into December. We're there. Um, you know, we will start uh, elsewhere. For for now, uh, Brown and URI Wednesday night, Coity. Uh, I was there to watch the Bears take out the Rams for the third straight time in their meeting. The first time that's happened since the 1970s. Brown 67 to 64, a win. And I would say, Coit, and we've talked about this on the pod, one that was desperately needed by Brown, uh, a team that has struggled early, that had one Division One win prior to that. That was against Kansas City. Um, and they were good value for it, Coit. They led for 30 minutes in this game. They had it out to 11 with six minutes to go. Um, held on just enough at the end. Uh, URI dropped the chance for a, a tying three-pointer with a second to play. Uh, but this was not like last year at the Ryan Center where Brown you know, needed a last-second three by Kimo Ferrari to steal one. This was one that Brown controlled for the majority, and, and they fully deserved a, a rivalry victory here. And it's much needed, as we mentioned, much needed for the Bears. Um, you know, they've really had some they've had some close losses, some games that they thought they should have had, might have had, or right there down the wire could have had. Um, and, you know, obviously one of them being a rivalry game with Bryant. Um, you know, obviously a disappointing result for them. But to go down to the Ryan Center, play as well as they did, um, you know, really impressive. And I, I think the key to the game, both coaches mentioned it, the fact that, you know, Brown, who has had some turnover problems, only turned it over eight times. And the fact that URI didn't feel like they exploited that enough, I think, was the key to the game. It really was. Um, and you heard it from both coaches in the press conference afterwards. Um, you know, and and for Brown, too, you know that Keno Lilly Jr. is going to have his nights. He's always He's always dependable in terms of offense for you. You know that. You know, you're going to get something either Kaluanya or Nana Usuanane are going. It's it's I think it's about that that next guy, that third guy stepping up. And when Aaron Cooley has a night like he did offensively for you, I think that's a huge, huge plus for the Bears. You know, we've been talking about guys that can really step up, you know, behind, you know, Nana and Kino and Kalu. Um, and I thought, you know, Aaron Cooley stepping forward and having Kimo Ferrari back really helped them too, because they desperately needed him back 
you know, a, another experienced guard who obviously had the big shot at the Ryan Center last year, but, you know, could give them quality minutes. Um, yeah, that that was huge. So Brown, Brown, I think, felt like a, a whole complete team sort of effort. Um, and, and that was that's huge. And the, and the Bears, they, they really needed it. The, the word you use there, complete, is the one that I had in my mind because you, you have Ferrari back. He missed five games with a hip injury. And all of a sudden, Mike Martin just cuts his rotation to seven. And, and he says, I'm going to bring two seniors off the bench with Ferrari and Malachi Nadir. Um, and this is what I'm going to ride with. Uh, you know, and, and Brown, to their credit, they made shots early. They ended up with 10 three-point makes in the game. 19 to 5 off turnovers is, is a really important stat. In this game, uh, you know, and Archie Miller just came right out and, and, you know, basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, look, our defense isn't good enough to generate anything easy for us right now. We can't get anything in transition. Everything we do is in the half court and we're not a great three point shooting team. So it's going to be difficult for us to score consistently. Um, you know, I will quote him it, it, at this point talking about his defense. Uh, I think we have the most passive defense that I've ever been involved with. Being coached the same way, being taught the same way, but a very passive defense, I think bottom line is a lot of newness. I think part of what is new to the system is how hard you have to play. That's very new to some guys. You know, when he says that in a post game, we talked about in the last edition of the pod, Tammy Reese going after the URI women and, and basically saying, look, we need to play harder. We need to practice better. Uh, we need to be more connected. That was Archie Miller's version of it the other night. Um, you know, and the Bears, as you said, they've been a high turnover team to this point. All of a sudden, 12 assists to eight turnovers the other night. URI is, is in the 300s in terms of turnover percentage forced. It, it, was, it was kind of a perfect marriage in terms of game styles for Brown. And, and, you know, they were able to steal one here. Yeah. And, and I'm not, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not totally surprised. <laughs> you know, I, I think. When you when that when that happens, I mean Archie Miller is going to uh, he's going to push his team because he really likes he's said it all year how coachable his team can be, and <laughs> so I figured at some point th this was probably you know going to happen, and uh, I, I think it's a good thing. It's it's a sign that okay he feels like he can push his team, and you know so I, I I'm sure that practice has been. Um, you know, maybe you grind the last couple of days, <laughs> um, but that's a good thing because he believes in his team. He believes his team can grow, uh, can get better there. And, you know, the, the Rams have shown some really good signs in a lot of different aspects of the game so far this year. But, you know, you look at it and that's that right there is a, a glaring thing that the Rams can improve at. You know, it's it's defense enforcing turnovers. And so. I wasn't surprised to to hear it, and you know, obviously they're they're trying to trying to improve there before they get to conference play, which is obviously quickly coming up as well. So, um, yeah, not surprised to hear it, and you know, I I think you know disappointing result for the Rams, but um, you know these games they're intense, and and I think the great part of these rivalry games so far, Bill, is I think teams are getting a lot out of it. You know, even win, mm. loss, whatever it is, I think teams are looking at these games and saying the intensity, the competition. Um, you know, because I thought even even in the loss to Bryant, I thought Brown got a lot out of that game. Um, you know, it was 
it was intense. Um, you know, you, you just you take things out of that game because I think when the intensity level goes up, you really see how players and teams respond. Um, it can certainly show you a lot about your teams. And I, I think that's that's been the best thing. And and I know we'll talk about PCURI too. I thought I thought both teams got something out of that too. Um, so yeah, I, I, the the rivalry games not only have been I think entertaining so far. I think they've just they've been productive. I think would be the word that I would use for all these programs. It's an interesting point. Brown and Bryant played the tighter game, and they both won their next game. URI and Providence played a little bit more of a scrimmage, and they both lost their next game. Yeah, go figure. I think it's something to be said for that. I, I do. Yeah, right. I I, th- I think. You know, players and coaches talk all the time, iron sharpens iron, and we're going to be tough on each other, and, you know, we want to be challenged. Do they really? Do they really? Are we sure about that? Are we yeah. sure? Because sometimes the results don't bear that out. Um, you know, and in your eyes case, you, you you look at what happened here, and, you know, as as Archie said after the game, you know, it felt like they were far away the the whole time because of their inability to make shots because of their inability to make free throws 15 for 31 at the line Ooh. and that's ugly in the second half when you're trying to come back you're you're consistently getting to the rim drawing fouls you have a chance to cut into deficits with the clock stopped it's ideal it's exactly what you want when you just yeah. can't cash in and convert mentally that's really really tough um you know and brown Brown aren't exactly marksmen at the line either, but they made just enough down the stretch. Uh, and it was a game that Mike Martin really needed, I, I think. Um, you know, like he said in the postgame, he, he, the players still believe. They feel like they can be a good team in the Ivy League. They just haven't had much validation yet in the non-conference. And, and so in that way, it was really important. Um, I think it was really important for Tyson Wheeler a, as well. Uh, you know, there was a great ceremony that night at halftime. Uh, URI inducting three players into their ring of honor, Tyson Wheeler, Katino Mobley, Antonio Reynolds-Dean, uh, the the core of that 1998 team that went to the Elite Eight. Uh, Coide, as someone who was in that pregame media availability, I can tell you it was probably the most special 15 minutes I will have on the job this week. It, it reminded me of my fraternity brothers when we get together. Uh, you just slip right back in after 10 years. You're you're into the old habits, the old conversations, the old body language, the whole thing. It, it was so special to watch the three of them when you think back to what they created here and, and really were the impetus for the Ryan Center being built. Um, you know, just how important they were in the history of URI basketball. Uh, it was a great night for those three, a great night for Tyson personally. Well, first of all, you say, you know, the Ryan Center being built, um, you know, Ian asked uh, all three of those guys about the Ryan Center being built and saying like, oh, some people say that this was the uh, the house that the 98 Rams built. And I loved that Antonio Reynolds Dean's right, right off the bat is Governor Lincoln Allman said that. <laughs> and Katino like, wow. Mobley said he was right. He was right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that was great. I used that quote last night on the air. It was just great. Um yeah, I I I think of, you know, Ian had said the same thing to me when he came back to the office that it was just it was really cool to see those guys slip back into being teammates, being roommates going yeah. through that. Um and then I I said to him, well, you know, why do you think I have the, you know, the weekends that I have now uh with my friends around because I immediately think of 
you know, my my gold college teammates, one of them being my good friend Ryan, who you know very well, and his lovely yeah. wife Elise. Um, you know, I see him all the time because he lives in Rhode Island now, and it's like every time we're together, it we slip back into what we were when we were, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. Um, you know, just because when you build that bond and um friendship, particularly with, you know, anybody you're on a team with, um, you go through a lot. Uh, you really band together and it was on full display with these guys. And it was, you know, I, I wasn't able to be there. Obviously, Ian was there for us. Um, but to see how much it meant to these guys was yeah. really, really cool um, because it meant a lot to the community around here. You know, the fact that these guys went to the Elite Eight, it's a special team. People talk about them years after. When these teams make these runs, you know, they become you know, uh, legends, they do, they become legends. And, you know, I, I, gosh, that time period for college basketball in this state, you know, you're talking about, you know, the 97 Friars, and then you're talking about the 98 Rams. Wow. I mean, that is, that's really, really cool. Um, so I, it was, it was great to see URI honor these guys and really give them their flowers because they deserve it. No, it was really special. And, and you know, you look at that group and, and what they were able to do, um, you know, the fact that they were all overlooked in some way. You know, Tyson made that point in, in the pregame. Um, Tyson and Antonio, too short. Uh, Catino, an academic risk. You know, and, and all three of them felt like they should have been recruited in a different way than than ultimately what they were. Um, Al Skinner had the foresight to look over any of those warts and say, that's all right, you guys are good enough to play for me. You know, come on in. Let's what, go. What a recruiter, Al, man. Tremendous. Holy cow. Tremendous. Because then he goes from there to BC and he gets BC to where they were. Like, man, he was good. You know, Al, pre internet, um, Al Skinner was among the best evaluators you'd ever see. I, I mean, I look at BC. Ooh. He got Craig Smith out of Los Angeles, he got Troy yeah. Bell out of Minnesota. How? How does he get? How does he get Craig Smith to go twenty five hundred miles to play college basketball? How does he get Troy Bell out of Minnesota? It's incredible. A guy who had two thousand points in college. I mean, really, just tremendous. Um, it, it says a lot about his acumen, his ability to identify talent. Um, you know, so special night for the Rams off the floor, on the court, not as good. Much better for Brown. Um, Quite, we'll get to Providence next. And, uh, you know, ranked team on the road playing Oklahoma. Not great. Take it from there. <laughs> yeah, not great. Um, you know, you don't get off to a great start, and that's a problem. Uh, you know, 11-0 run, and, or 12-0 run, I should say. And because then it was followed by a Devin Carter 11-0 run, which, I mean, we've talked about how he is just Mr. Consistent for the Friars this year. He was one of the only guys that really, you know, stepped forward in that game. Um, you know, I think Josh Duro stepped forward as well. Um, but the Friars needed more contributions from elsewhere. And, you know, you go on the road and you get off to a tough start like that. Yeah, they rallied in the second half, but I think it was sort of like a, you know, once they got the lead, you, you know, you sort of emptied the tank at that point to get all the way back. Um, you know, and I think Oklahoma, uh, Kim English had a great, point about you know the the Sooners seeing the ball go through the hoop early like early early defense in a game 
is really crucial, really important because you see the ball go through the hoop, then it's like, okay, that's going to get everybody going. And, you know, obviously Oklahoma was able to do that, get off to a good start. And, you know, I, I think that sort of that sort of doomed the Friars, even though they rallied. Um, yeah, so tough, tough results, you know, on the road, true road game, you know, big opportunity. But the Sooners are for real. I mean, the Sooners are a really good team. So, you know, you you are facing some high-level competition. So, um, you know, tough result, but, you know, good for you to, to really, uh, you know, get in a heavyweight bout. I sort of awkwardly pitched it to Coit there because my computer battery was dying. Uh, you could say that it was a turnover <laughs> in that way, and Almost. it would be fitting that we're in the Providence discussion now because they had 10 in the first half. They had 15 for the game, um, you know, and they really put themselves in a hole early, 72-51 loss. Uh, as you mentioned, start out 12 nothing. didn't show up. Devin Carter was the only guy who was there, really, through the first 10 minutes. You get into the second half, and and I agree with your assessment. You make your run. You try so hard. You're running uphill, and all of a sudden you hit the wall. With 14 minutes left, they only scored nine points the rest of the way. And, you know, if you look you at them as a group, um, besides Carter and, and Josh Aduro, anyone else really cover themselves in glory in this game? Not at all. It, it was a really difficult night for some guys here. Um you know, you look at Bryce Hopkins, eight points, four for 11 from the field, three rebounds. That That's a lot more passive than we're used to from him. Jaden Pierre, two points, one for seven, three turnovers. Uh, multiple of those were early, uh, you know, and really prevented Providence from getting into a rhythm. Ticket gains, played 22 minutes, did not score two rebounds. You, you just need so much more from those guys if you're going to beat a good opponent on the road and and I think we saw Oklahoma do some things that Porter Moser's old Loyola Chicago teams did. They just squeezed the Friars for large portions of that game. And you know, you you look at, at PC and you think, all right, you know, they got some votes in, in the AP poll and you know there was a lot from their fans about well we should be ranked and you know we've we've done enough to this point and we've played well enough and you know that's number 19 and they blew your doors off on the road. Um, you know, and you don't really have a chance to to play uh, a high-powered opponent before you get into the Big East. You, you've got Brown and then you've got Sacred Heart before Marquette comes in here. Um, so I don't think we're going to be here in the ranking discussion for a while. I, I think, you know, honestly, if if we're looking at this, uh, I think Providence's coaching staff gets a good chance to reevaluate after nine games. I, I think they're going to have an idea of, of where they need to go and what they need to emphasize before the Golden Eagles come in, in here in 11 days. Yeah, I think so too. Um, you know, it, it disappointing losses are sometimes they can be, again, I keep using the word productive this morning, but they can be productive. Mm. Um, you could look at things and say, okay, maybe we need to reevaluate this. Maybe we need to do this differently. Um, you know, it's, I mean, in a game like that, I mean, the obvious thing again is just getting off to a, a, a good start on the road. And maybe that's just the, the big lesson is, you know, you can't, you can't come out flat, uh, when you get into a hostile environment no. and they're going to see plenty of them, you know, when they, when they get into big East play, they're going to have to go to Marquette. They're going to have to go to stores. You know, they're going to have to go, you know, to, to these great places. So, um yeah it's it's a good lesson for them to learn um you know but they have a chance to sort of you know reset the next two games even though you know Mike Martin's Bears are going to go into the amp and they're going to try to 
swing as hard as they can uh, on Sunday, which will be uh, always entertaining. I'm Bill. I'm glad they're playing that game. Yes. It's going to be nice to see. Absolutely. Of course. <laughs> they should be playing. And and we know uh-huh. why they're not playing, because Brown isn't box office for Providence like URI is. And, and so they declined to put them on the schedule. They'd rather buy Columbia in years past. You know, they, they'd, they'd rather buy one of the teams at the bottom of the Ivy League, Dartmouth, whoever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um you know, instead of trying to play Brown because they know it's it's an in-city thing. Brown's guys get up for it in a certain way. Providence's guys traditionally have not gotten up for it in a certain way. Um, it doesn't make money at, at the box office. It's not like the URI game where you sell it out and you have 12,513 and, you know, the students are there two hours before the game waiting for a seat. It's not going to be like that on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, and in that respect, it's a perfect opportunity for Brown to just go in there and play loose and, and say, all right, cool. You know, you don't rate us. You don't think we're a great opponent on the schedule. Watch what we can do. Maybe we make another 10 threes and we turn you over. You know, like we did to URI. Maybe we ambush you. Brown's had some luck against Providence, certainly while Ed Cooley was there. Um, you know, Mike Martin had a decent record against them. Um, you know, we, we've we've jokingly mentioned a few times on the pod what happened the last time Providence went to the east side to the Pizzatola Center. Uh, Ladante Henton is still scoring and Providence is still not winning <laughs> in that game. Um, you know, so that, that is a fascinating matchup all in its own. Uh, you know, and I would imagine in Providence's case, when you're coming off such a stinker on the road, that Brown is going to have their full attention here. Well, the picture is still up at the Pizzatola Center. That's right. With, uh, I think Chris Dunn is up on that picture. Um, yeah, so it's, it's still up. You know what? I- I'll say this. I'm really I, I give Kim English, you know, a lot of uh, praise here the last couple of weeks, because anytime a rivalries mentioned anything like that with URI and playing these teams and playing Brown, I, I think the embrace of it has been really, um, you know, I- impressive. And, um, you know, I, I, I really like that he's embraced it. You know, there's no there was no shying away during the PCURI week. You know, from either coach, it was very much like, no, it's a great game. means a lot to people. It's good programs. It's good competition. Um, be a great crowd. And it was. And they played the game, and Providence won. And, you know, I don't think it was a surprise. I think the Friars are where they're at. Um, you know, and even for Archie after that game, it's like, okay, well, we lost. But, you know, I like the way my guys played. And, you know, it was a lot of fun. It was an impressive crowd. Like, these guys haven't shied away from it. And I think if you ask him today, like, all right, you play Brown on Sundays. Like, yeah. He's, he's going to tell you how much he respects Mike. Hmm. Um, he's going to tell you that it's going to be, you know, another good game, good competition. I think he knows that Brown's going to come in here and play loose and, you know, take their swings. Um, you know, but I think, I think the reason probably is that he's just focused on his team and his team playing well. And it's, all the stuff that we talk about with competition and these programs and rivalries and whatever, it's, I think these coaches are very much focused on their teams. Um, but it's just been really, um, you know, I, I can't think of the word. I keep saying impressive, but like, I don't know if it's endearing or something like that. It's just, it's, it's been cool to see them sort of embrace this uh, sort of competition between the programs. And I, I think that shows a sign of respect for all of these coaches. And that's, that's pretty cool. So looking forward to Sunday. I would say it's responsible. Uh, I think they're good sure. stewards of the rivalries. Uh, I think yeah. that, 
you know, those are games that fans would want to see. I, I, you know, I'd rather see Brown play PC than, than PC play Arkansas Pine Bluff. You know, I'd, I'd much rather have that. Um, Careful where you're going there. <laughs> easy, easy. We're getting to them next. We're getting to them next. <laughs> we're, do, we're doing that bleep now. <laughs> I'm getting called out by the Bryant coach now. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yes. Our old friend Dan Hurley, he is outstanding. For anyone who doesn't oh. know what we're talking about, look it up. Dan's comments after oh. the Kansas game. Uh, UConn losing out there and talking about scheduling, casually slipping in that he would play Duke home and home if they wanted to. I, I don't think that was a mistake, was it, Coy? Nope. Nope. Not with not, Danny. Not the least. Uh, yeah, Even though Duke would insist on playing in Hartford, and you know he doesn't want to do that. He'd rather play them at Gamble. But, um, yeah, you know, you, scheduling being what it is, I, I am on, you know, as a, a local media shill and someone who wants to draw some attention to this, I am on the Phil Martelli train in, in that way. Uh, and we will get to Bryant next. Uh, blowout winners at Siena, um, 67-51 in their most recent outing. They were also able to take care of Brown on the road, 69-66. That's the third straight time in that series. The road team has won. Uh, That was the game out of rivalry weekend that was a little more edgy, a little more chippy. You you would have associated the word rivalry more with that one. I, I felt it played out a lot more like, you know, Big brother, little brother, I can't stand you. No, I hate you too. No, get away from my toys. No, you know, get out of my room. Like that sort of thing. I I thought Bryant and Brown had a lot more heat to it. I I thought Providence and URI, in the stands, it was great. You know, for the fans, it was great. For the players, it looked like big business. Um, But but Brown and Bryant on the east side uh, last Friday, that was my kind of chippy. I really enjoyed it. Amen. Yeah, it was, and I I think it it really I think it had an effect on the outcome of the game um, because I think I think it energized Bryant in that second half mm. the chippiness the back and forth you know Brown's up ten at one point and I think it I think it energized them a little bit um, and you know being on the road you know wanting to get a road victory. Um, you know, typically in the past, Bryant has had that sort of chip on their shoulder edge to them here in the recent past. And, you know, I, I think it helped. And, you know, the fact that, and they had guys that stepped in too, and that high level competition, high heat, you know, a guy like Miles Latimer, I ended up doing the post game with Phil Martelli Jr. with Miles Latimer, who, okay, his stat line wasn't the, you know, the best on the sheet for, for Bryant, but the plays that he made when he came in were timely, energetic, hit big shots, and helped put them over the top. And that's what you needed a game like that, somebody to step forward. And I thought Latimer was was the guy in that game. Um, and, and I think Bryant, too, did something that the Rams weren't able to do at the Ryan Center, which was turn the Bears over. We yeah. talked about that. And it was 14 turnovers in that game for Brown, almost – double the amount that they had in Kingston. Um, so there you go. They were able to exploit that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that was great competition, great game. Um, you know, Brown's able to bounce back from that with a win at the Ryan Center, which is huge. But for Bryant, man, they they just, they feel steady. They feel really steady for a team that, you know, went through 
what it went through early on in the season uh, with the coaching change and some of the distraction that potentially could, you know, hamper a team like this. They're getting contributions from everywhere. And I think this team seems to really be buying in. Um, and that's a real credit to the coaching staff, to Phil Martelli Jr., because they, I think it's a different guy every night. You know, they go to Siena and Daniel Rivera, who just jumps out of the gym. That dude is athletic. Yeah. He is athletic. Yeah. He goes in there, 20 points. Was it six blocks in that game? Like the guy is all over the place. That tells you a buy in on the defensive end. Mm. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of guys that are can, not to mention, I mean, Earl Timberlake is, you know, doing it all for that team. He's he's doing doing everything. I think they really value, you know, the consistent effort they're getting from Earl this season. You know, Sharif is going to score and score in bunches. The guy is really good um, on the offensive end. But and then, you know, they basically Phil Martelli Jr. said it. They have a sixth starter, basically, in Rafael Pinzone. I mean, the yeah. guy comes in off the bench, and he just seems to really just, okay, get going. I mean, it's just – you could go up and down this roster, and I think you're getting contributions from everywhere. And it's no surprise that they have the best win of the four programs in the state so far this season, and I think they're becoming pretty steady. And that's huge as we get closer to – conference play there's not really a wave with them right now they are just i think they're making steady progress and and that's that's huge that win really got them started at florida atlantic they've won five out of the last six starting with that one um they're six and four and you know coit and i have talked privately about how many games could bryant really win against this meat grinder of a schedule you know how how much success were they really going to have before they got into america east play the answer is their fair share um, you know, and certainly you, you look at Brown the other night, as Coit mentioned, they're down 10. Keno Lilly is dancing all over them. He's got 16 points with about 16 minutes to go, and including the thousandth of, of his brilliant college career. And Bryant goes to Earl Timberlake and says, guard him. He's your old team takeover teammate. Uh, you know, your fellow DMV guy, take him away. He has three points the rest of the game. Uh, Bryant 24 to three off the bench in that one. Pinzone had 15 Miles Latimer had all nine in the second half, and that carried over into Siena, where you know Bryant really was was unthreatened. Uh, you know, for the majority of that game, uh, made a big run late in the first half and and just put Siena away. Now, part of the problem for Siena is their best player was playing for Oklahoma earlier this week, JB and McCollum, uh, a guy who really could help them. Um, who the Sooners targeted in in the transfer portal and and someone who really hurt Providence. Um, this is the reality now for mid-majors and, and low-majors. Uh, you know, but you look at Bryant and they are – Mike Martin made some good points about them. They are experienced in a certain way. Pinzone played at St. John's last year. He's a transfer. He's not worried about playing road games at Brown. Guy played in the Big East. You know, Miles Latimer, as Mike pointed out, started a game for Stony Brook at Bryant in 2018-19. I mean, this guy's older than dirt, and he's coming off the bench for the Bulldogs. Uh, I mean, really, what a nice luxury to have if if you're Phil Martelli. And, you know, you look at his rotation, and it's Timberlake and Connor Withers and Sharif Gross-Bullock. These guys have played a lot of college basketball. Um, you know, so if you would have backed a, a team to find it after a couple weeks, this would have been a wise bet, and, and Bryant has ultimately come good here. Yeah, they have. And again, it's it's um it's steady. It's steady the progress that they're making. They they really seem to be coming together. 
Um, and I, I think we talked about last year with Bryant, you know, the struggle that they had in terms of kind of, you know, finding roles together. And uh, I, I think this year they really are settling into their roles. I mean, we just sort of talked about it. Like this is, you know, this guy can do this, this guy can do that, this guy can do this, this guy can do that. Um, and I think they're all embracing it, you know, accepting it. I think they found, you know, a steady rotation. Um, you know, I, I think that that goes a long way in coming together as a team. That's huge. And uh, so I'm not totally surprised that they're having the success they're having. No, it, it's been it's been really impressive and, and nice to see the way Bryant has has pulled out of this, as you mentioned. You know, if, if any team was going to be able to sit there and blame off-court stuff for on-court struggles, it, it would have been the Bulldogs. Um, you know, they go to BU, they give up 95 points in that game, they lose. They've got a flight to Florida Atlantic the next morning out of Boston. Um, and Phil Martelli is questioning himself in the team hotel. He's saying, am I teaching these guys the right things? Or are we trying to do the right things? Um, you know, is is this going to work going forward? They're one and three at that point. And, and since then... Aside from a, a loss at Xavier, which is no shame in that, all they've done is win. Um, you know, and you talk about winning at Florida Atlantic, uh, winning at Brown, winning at Siena, true road wins for Bryant, three of them already. Um, you know, that suggests a, a, a certain sort of toughness. And, you know, Saturday they will go to Stony Brook and, and try to add another one. But, uh, you know, they've, they've been a really good story here early on. Um, in terms of the way they've played, the determination they've shown. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really happy for Phil. Uh, you know, obviously, first-time head coach. And, you know, he's got buy-in from his players, as you said. Um, you know, and I don't think that's any small thing for a coach to get buy-in from from his or her players. I, I think that's that's what they all seek. And, and he clearly has it here in the early going. Well, and he has made this a steady and stable situation too because you know what happened happened with the coaching change at the beginning of the year and you know that can go a lot of different directions for a program for players for teams thinking that you're going to be playing for one coach and then you know it goes a completely different way and I, I give the coaching staff a lot of credit because you know I, I'm bringing it up now but when have we ever really talked about it? it's in the last month you know, because yeah. they've been back on the court. They've played really well. We've talked about, and, and I think all the distractions, whatever that potentially could come in, have been held out of the gym. And this team has really come together and, and bought in. And that's a credit to, like I said, the coaching staff and and Phil. He's a, he's a steady guy. So I guess, you know, teams reflect the personality of their coach. He's a pretty steady dude. Uh, and I think you're seeing that from um his team and you know to phil and, and we we talked a little bit about the back and forth with the scheduling conversation but we felt good for him for speaking up like you know Dan, danny came back at him um uh, which is fine that's dan hurley gets to beat his chest now he's a national championship winning coach oh. um but i i get it with phil like he he spoke up because they played a team within the league uh and i think that's that's what really was like, oh, man, they're playing UNH and they could have played us and this could have happened. And I get everything that happened there. But you're right. Like, you know, they're, they're Arkansas Pine Bluff is coming to stores. Why can't Brian come to stores? Right. I've talked about this. Like, I, I think good programs 
that that are in the vicinity of good programs should play each other. You know, that's why I I know the financial aspects of it, and I know the you know the competition, the net ranking, and whatever. I know people always talk about this. The four teams in Rhode Island should play each other. They should. There should be some sort of Ocean State Cup. I think that would be really cool. I think it'd be really cool. I've always been an advocate of it. Like I said, I know certain programs and certain fan bases, well, that affects our net. Well, we could get a game, you know, against a power team instead of, you know, having to to play a mid-major on our state or something like, whatever. Like, we sh- the game should be played. They should. They should play each other. They are, most of them already play each other anyways. So that, that would be really cool. I think, and the state would embrace these sorts of things. And it doesn't have to switch to every venue every year. You know, if it if it's played at the Amp and the Ryan Center, great. You know, that's that's great. That's the way it should be. So, um, yeah, I, I just, <laughs> I get it with the net rank. I get all that. It's a large conversation we could have. But I think these teams should all play each other. So Phil spoke up. He got snapped back at by Danny. And then it is what it is. What it is is outstanding. <laughs> we, love it. we love it. <laughs> we we do, we do. But I mean, that's you know, it, in in Phil's case, you're Bryant. You're trying to get on people's radars. It's the kind of thing you have to do. Yeah, and you got to call some people out. You got to go ahead and 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 make some waves. Like that's the way it works. You know, he he's not content to just go along and get along because oh, we're Bryant and we're small and we play in the America East and. You know, oh, you know, we're we're not, you know, we have this little gym and, you know, these guys who you've never heard of and you might watch them two times a year when we play Bryant and you know, when we play Brown and, and potentially you or I, like, you know, otherwise you don't care about us. And it's like, yeah, we get it. Like, you know, as media members, we're around that program. Like, we get it. We, we know what you're mm-hmm. trying to do. And, you know, for us, it makes business easy. Like, we appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's perfect for us. Uh, you know, yeah. we can sit here and talk rivalry games all day long. Uh, I mean, that's that's fine with, with me. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, I totally get what he's trying to do. It's calculated. And, and you know, I don't think what Phil is saying to us or Jared Grasso previously, it's not anything different than what they're saying to their team. And, and I think that's the most important point. The fact that these guys are communicating with their players and, you know, certainly are going back to their players and saying, look, this is what I just said. If we do get this game on the schedule, we got to show something. Um, I think if you look at Bryant winning at Florida Atlantic, getting them back on the schedule the year after they went to the final four, the Owls are never going to schedule them again. We'll never see that game again. (laughs) You know, Florida Atlantic will, will buy somebody else. That's kind of how that works. But you know, you, you need to be a little bit of a nuisance, I, I think, if if you're a smaller program like that. You you need to be, a, a, you know, a little bit of the, the squeaky hinge in, in that way. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's part and parcel of, of where you are in the college basketball hierarchy. Um, you know, and I, I don't sit here and think, oh, well, Phil shouldn't have said that because what if UConn schedules them next year? Well, that's the whole point. Like, yeah, right. That's the whole point. Yeah, oh, UConn. They're, they're gonna they're gonna get it now. They're gonna come to gamble and get like, yeah, that's the Good. whole point. I, Bill, if I'm UConn, I'm scheduling Bryant for right for next season right now right and now. saying, you want Absolutely. you want to play us in stores? Yeah. Okay, why don't you come here? 
We'll we'll slap you around by thirty. Yeah, come That's here. The we're way gonna beat you by seventy. I'm not taking yes. my starters out. We're gonna run it up. At, if I can, I'm gonna yeah. whip your. You, I'm gonna whip your back. Yeah, up. big time. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. absolutely. And I, and I think, yeah, from UConn's perspective, I get it. When Danny came out, you know, and and said what he said, which I still he's outstanding, <laughs> isn't he? I mean, really, he is tremendous. The brunt, he didn't call him Phil. He called him. The Bryant coach. The Bryant which, coach. Which is just, oh, my gosh. So, so I guess we're doing this now? Because like, he knows him. Like, come on. Like, oh, my goodness. Like, that. that is... Uh, that's that's like when you're you're, you know, you have a teacher that's mad at a student or something like that student or something <laughs> like, you know. No, you know who we're talking about. Um, you know, and I get, like, he's worried about, you know, scheduling Kansas in Kansas, scheduling North Carolina, trying to get Duke. On the schedule, and like all those things, UConn has huge goals and aspirations because yeah. they're at where they're at as a program, the defending national champions. Um, so I get it, and it probably was a, a nuisance to him. But <laughs> these guys are all fighting for their programs and where they're at, and you know, I I respect it. I, I do. Yeah, in in other words, don't play Northern Arizona and New Hampshire and Arkansas Pine Bluff. Play us instead. Yes, we, we would. We want. We want to be on your radar, Dan. And for Bryant, you know, play us instead of making us fly on Black Friday to Cincinnati to play Xavier for a noon tip off. Like, come on, you know, that that's play Old Miss on New Year's Eve on the road. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. You know, that's you're, tough. You're Phil. You're Chris Cole. Like. You know, the ball drops, you want to kiss your wife. Instead, you're going to be coming back from Oxford, Mississippi. Oh, uh, you know, isn't that going to be thrilling, right? Like, yeah, right, right. You know, that's, that's kind of the idea. Um, yep. You know, you'd rather be on a bus and get back to Smithfield about 8.30 and, you know, have some, uh, like like we used to do when we were kids, you know, a little ginger ale toast at 9, you know, just to get yep. us in bed. Um, you know, we'd, we'd set the clocks ahead and be like, all right, it's midnight, here we go. Um, Bingo. You know, but that, that was that. Um, but Bryant, you know, the the overall Bryant playing well, uh, you know, Bryant winning a rivalry game, parlaying that into another win. We wonder if the Providence women can do that, um, you know, because they got themselves a rivalry victory, very shorthanded. No Kylie Shepard, no Grace Afosa, still a 51-50 win over URI at Alumni Hall, a defensive grinder. Uh, and an early marker from Aaron Bath, in in my mind, um, you know they they lost at Bryant. Uh, they lost to Bryant. I, what have I said before on this pod? I do that with Brown and Bryant. Brian Brown, every week. I know. it's so bad. It's, okay. it's terrible. It's okay. They lost at Brown earlier in the year, but now they get the Rams at home, and it was a game where Providence defended well. Uh, they got graduate managers in uniform. Uh, they got Olivia Olson scoring points. Um, you know, it was kind of a, a kitchen sink feel for, for Eric Rube the other night. He was there for us for the journal. Um, but good on Providence, I, I would say, because, you know, you, you're going through a tough time. You've got two very talented players who are not in uniform at, at this point, who are injured, uh, who missed their third straight game. You got URI coming off a really good win against Princeton. Everything would have suggested that the Rams would have continued, um, you know, and, and built some momentum here through the end of their non-conference schedule and Providence said not so fast my friend. Yeah, it was a grind of a game and I think that played into the hand of the Friars. Um, you know, and I think they got a, a great collective effort in that game. They had some younger players coming off the bench. Um, 
you know, I, I, I was impressed with, you know, there were just spurts where there would be somebody else that would step forward for the Friars. I thought third quarter, I thought Sarah Bandoma, the Johnston native, I think she had a couple of key baskets, key plays that helped the Friars. Um, and then in the fourth quarter, it was just, okay, find offense when we can, um, you know, and Emily Archibald hit that big three with about two minutes to go. And then the Friars defensively, they just, they didn't allow the Rams to really get going. They disrupted Maya Torre all night. Mm. Um, they're very physical. Um, you know, Tisha Hyman really had it going, I think for the Rams and they didn't make it easy for her. She had a shot at the buzzer. Um, she did to try to win it. Um, you know, but on the previous play, you know, the Rams had, I think, 25 seconds left. They got the ball in Tisha's hands. And there were two or three Friars that were over there to meet her in the lane defensively. And Libby Olsen had a huge block, huge block. And that was the most impressive part of her game to me was I thought she really was tough defensively. So there was just an element of toughness, I thought, that Aaron Bass' team showed, particularly shorthanded. And I think it played well for them, which was huge. And for the Rams, I mean, the, on the other side, that the takeaway for me is it's Jekyll and Hyde. It's it's and it's I think it's super frustrating for Tammy Reese and her coaching staff that they get a huge win over Princeton, first win over a ranked opponent in program history on Sunday. They're riding high, and maybe they were riding too high because they get back to practice. And Tammy Reese said, "We got into practice, and I saw it coming again. Here we go." They're not they're not doing the things we need them to do in practice to follow up a big win. And it showed on the floor. Um, there were some inconsistent efforts there. And, you know, for the Rams, that's disappointing because really that Princeton win was a chance to really build momentum. So, you know, the coaching staff is trying to put its finger on how to get this team back on a, a level level ground because it's it's been a roller coaster so far. And that was that was my question, the last question. Uh, Coach Reese on uh, Wednesday night was, you know, what do you do? Do you change your routine at all with respect to your process? Do you, what do you try to do here to get them to give you a consistent effort every day? Because you don't want to keep having good days and bad days because it's going to show on the floor. And I think they're trying to figure that out. Yeah, you, you look at this game, a very traditional rivalry game from the standpoint that there are a total of two fast break points between the two teams this was hand-to-hand combat in the half court um you know neither team was going to allow anything easy to the other uh you know and and in this case providence shorthanded without the weapons that they normally have i think it benefited them Uh, i think you look at uri it's just too many turnovers it's too many missed shots and you look at a couple of their starters tisha hyman six for 23 from the field um you know maya torre has five turnovers she she was a high turnover player last year and and you would have hoped that you know some of that might have been cleaned up a little bit this year and and it hasn't necessarily in in certain spots um you know and then you look at providence and you mentioned olsen uh marta morales romero had nine and nine in the game you know and in a game that there's only 100 points like that's productive that means something um you know if you're going to even scare double figures like you know if you're playing a rock fight like this like that's important when you're short and and you got someone else. You mentioned Bandoma. This is her best game in in a Providence uniform so far. Um, you know, only twelve minutes, eight points. You know, just really made a contribution here. Uh, you know, when the Friars he had the 
she had the effect on this game like Miles Latimer had the effect on the Brown Bryant game. It Good was, point. The time period was short. The minutes were what they were. But when she came in, it changed the momentum of a close, tight, low-scoring game. Yeah, very good. I, I agree with that. I, I think she, you know, sometimes you just need a little scoring to keep it going uh, a little bit. She did that. She kept it moving yeah. uh, for Providence. You know, they they weren't in the mud for too long because she came out and and was able to make some baskets, which which was really critical. Um, you know, especially you're, you're looking at Providence and you're thinking, all right, where is our offense going to come from? Uh, I mean, you know, we're missing these two dynamic players. What's going to happen? Uh, you know, and in previous games, it, it wasn't there, um, you know, certainly against Columbia and then Iona, you know, Providence really struggled in, in those two games. And, you know, for them to bounce back like this against URI, a, a team that you mentioned was coming off a high uh, of beating Princeton, um, you know, beating a ranked team, really stabilizing what looked like the, the last shred of at-large NCAA hopes that they might have had. You know, now those are gone. In, in my mind, yeah. uh, for you or I, it's going to be all about the Atlantic 10. Um, and for Providence, a great building step going forward. Um, you know, if you look at what Aaron Bass trying to do here in year one, you know, this could be one of those games that her and, and her staff point back to and say, hey, remember Rhode Island with the bullies in the state? And, you know, we were just trying to come up and, you know, disturb some people and try to get to 500 and, you know, try to build this thing. Well, there, there's a result, ladies. You know, there's something that we can build on, something that we can believe in. Can I just compliment Erin Bath on her? First of all, her positive positivity, positive energy. She's always just so bright, um, you know, when you talk to her, um, which you love, especially from a first-year coach trying to build up a program. But I just need to, to compliment her on she is so positive that she's been walking around in a walking boot um for i don't know been a couple weeks i think ever ever since i've you know seen her a couple times here mm. but she decorated her walking boot with uh it, antlers and a red nose and <laughs> says that she's got rudolph on her walking boot yeah i mean that is just that's just Erin bath i mean that that is she's great she she really is it's it's a it's a real plus i think to have her at providence now as the head coach it really uh you know, it brings an energy to the program and just something as small as that. She literally would do our post-game press conference. She goes, oh, y'all, I'm walking around with Rudolph. What I, and she puts sticks out her boot and there's, she's got the googly eyes and the antlers. I'm like, oh, that's outstanding. So she's just great. Perfect. Really, really is. You know, <laughs> to, if, 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 if a coach is going to preach positivity, I suppose they have to live it in, in their yeah, own amen. way. And uh, she certainly does that. And you know, it, it was, they were in a bit of a difficult stretch there. Um, you know, so to come out of it, they're clearly following the leader in, in that way. Um, you know, and, and that's Aaron Bath, and that's why Providence identified her, wanted to go get her, uh, you know, successfully hired her. And, you know, they've got the women's program going in a different direction. Um, you know, we look at their city rival, Brown, um, team that, is a little bit further advanced in their rebuild, and that is bearing fruit at this point, Coity. Seven and three, five straight wins after dusting UMass Lowell the other night, 74-54. Uh, the way I put it in my story for the journal, Coit, the Bears are rolling at this point. You know, when when was the last time we could say that, realistically? In the in the mid-2010s, most likely, was their last 500 finish. Um, but Brown is doing this defensively. They're grinding teams down at that end of the floor, 
And the other night against UMass Lowell, they made some shots. 12 made threes, which was a season high. Um, you know, showed some potency on offense. Uh, you know, some complimentary basketball. Defense leading to offense. Fast break points. Transition. Open shots. Going down. Um, you almost wish, I'm sure if you were Brown, that you had more games other than just New Hampshire on Saturday on the road. You almost wish that you didn't have this 21-day break for exams and you know for the holidays and whatever else because if I was Monique LeBlanc, I'd want to play all of them right now. Yeah, honestly. Can, can we call somebody up the road? Like they already played Johnson and Wales, unfortunately. Can can we call another like school up the road, say like, hey, can we get you in the gym for another exhibition or you know, something like that just to keep us fresh in game action because man, they're rolling. I mean, they are rolling. Um, and defensively, I think is the most impressive part. There's a huge buy-in there. Um, you know, some of the players are flying all over the floor. Um, you know, I did the post game the other night with Alyssa Moreland, yeah, and I pointed out to her, first thing I said to her was like, wow, you were all over the place. So, you know, he had five steals on the night, which I think those five steals, I think all came in the first half. Um, that just tells you how much they just jumped on UMass Lowell. And I said it to her, she goes, wow, I didn't know that. You know, it's like, well, because you're not thinking about it. You're just going out there and playing and giving it 110% effort. And, you know, it's not just her. It's it's everybody that touches the floor right now for Brown. And it's it's really been impressive. Um, you know, third season here for Monique LeBlanc, and there's a total buy-in. And that's why they've been able to get you know, two wins over Big East opponents, a win over an Atlantic 10 opponent. Um, you know, they're they're winning at the clip that they're winning right now. It's this is a team that I look at it and I say, if yes, the Ivy League is as impressive and talented as it is, Princeton, Columbia, Harvard, these teams are really good. But if you're those teams, you see what Brown is putting on the floor right now. To me, they look at Brown on the schedule and say, oh, boy, we got to play Brown tonight. Okay. And I think that's a compliment to Monique, her staff, and the team. Nobody's going to want to play Brown in Ivy League play right now. They're not because of the way they play defensively and because of the collective effort and grit that they're showing. Um, Yeah, really, really impressed. The first batch of NCAA net rankings came out on Monday, and Brown is fourth in that league. As you mentioned, behind the meat grinder, Princeton, Columbia, and, and Harvard. That's a really tough trio to break into. But it's the notion of possibility, the, the notion that they could be playing at Columbia in Ivy Madness uh, you know, at the end of the year. The top four teams make that field. Brown right now, if you're Monique LeBlanc, you can sell that in the locker room credibly. You know, maybe oh, yeah. maybe a month ago, two months ago, you're you're saying it and and you know, you're trying to speak it into existence. You're hoping a little bit, you're hoping the players would buy in, you're hoping that maybe they see what you see. Well, now it's right there in, in black and white. You can see it. Hey, ladies, we're part of this. Like, you know, we are part of this. We are part of that group that can play there. And, you know, we talked a lot preseason about the jump that they made from la- uh you know from two years ago to last year you, know, you go from six wins to double digit wins you know could you jump another five and get to the point where you're 500 overall and maybe 500 in the Ivy League and you know maybe you scare getting into this thing and you know right now for Brown the way that they've played non-conference you can make a credible case to your team 
if you're Monique, you can say, look, we're playing well enough. Like we've got enough here right now. We don't need to wait another year or another two years or for another recruit or, you know, a couple other recruits or grad transfer or whatever it may be. Like we're right there right now. And yeah. you consider they put the only loss on Georgetown so far. That was on the road uh, in a game that was played in the 40s. You mentioned their defense, seven wins, all in games where they've given up less than 60 points. That's going to nice travel. Stat. Nice stat, Billy. That's going to bring travel. it. Yep. Bringing it. And if you can grind out one of these top teams in the Ivy League, there's there's no reason why on a night where that happens, you know, they can pick off one of these teams. Um, you know, especially their home gym, maybe Princeton comes in, they give them heck defensively, they're in the game late and Bella Mauricio hits a big three or Grace Arnley gets open in the corner. Uh, you know, you're going to give yourself a chance with that kind of defense to have those kinds of opportunities to beat anybody. So, yeah, I think, and there's just a collective buy-in and, you know, it, it's really impressive. It's It's been fun to watch. One of Brown's victims along the way was Bryant, who has now righted the ship and won two straight. Um, you know, Bryant beating Sacred Heart at home in overtime, an old Northeastern uh, Northeast Conference rival. And then they go on the road to Loyola on Wednesday and, and quite uh, offensive potency in that game. 30 points in the second quarter, 12 for 16 shooting. Uh, took care of Loyola 63-54 to get back to 500. You look at Bryant, Mia Mancini's a three-time America East Rookie of the Week now. Mariona Planas Fortuny is playing like a star at this point, like a first-team All-League player, uh, which she was expected to be at the beginning of the season. Uh, Bryant sitting there at 500 at 5-5, five and five, similar to the men's team, not an easy schedule. You know, there, there haven't been many breathers here. You know, not many home games here either. But Lynn Ankakowski has it going early in year one here. Yeah. And we saw, you know, after, you know, the Brown Bryant game, just how much, you know, she's been able to get her best player on board mm. in Mariona. Um, you know, Mariona really spoke about how she, you know, really likes his coaching staff, likes the style that they play, likes the trust that they've put in her. And when you get that during a coaching change, you know, I think it's it's refreshing to a player. Um, you know, I, I and and for her, it was like, okay, I'm, I like this, I like this new coach, I like this staff. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick around. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy in on this, and then it just trickles down from there. And she's showing it on the floor. She's doing the things that she's doing. And and Lynn Ann too sold her on. Okay, you've been a good player in this program. Now here's how we can make you better. Here's how you can be better on the floor for yourself and for us. And she's really bought in on that. You know, shooting the three a little bit has been huge for her. It stretches the floor for somebody with her skill set, opens things up a little bit. So I, I think that's been huge when it comes to, you know, Lynn Ann and, and you know, finding success early here is getting Mariona, Plainus Fortuny on board. And then they, I mean, they have really, they, uh, I don't know what it was. Maybe it's just, maybe Lynn Ann sees a little bit of herself in this player. Um, but Mia Mancini has been really, really impressive. And it's, they really have found a gem there in the former Wheeler star, uh, you know, freshman 
She's come in right away and made an instant impact. She's playing great every night. Um, it's it's really been something to watch. Uh, she's got three Rookie of the Week honors right now, so she's a front runner right now for Rookie of the Year in America East. Um, that's it's really really impressive. And you find a player like that, and she's a freshman, and your new coaching staff. It's like, all right, well, we got her for another three years here, so she's going to help us go where we want to go. So those to me are the two, you know, players that I'm looking at and saying, man, oh man, you know, you got them on board. And I think the rest, you know, goes from there. And and that's important for a new coach. And Mia's case, you know, tough shooting night against Brown in, in a loss at home. She bounces right back. Bounce right productive back. against Sacred Heart, productive against Loyola the other day, three, four from three. She has 13 points. Another interscholastically player helping out in a big way in that game. Megan Bonzioni had 10 points off the bench. South Kingstown native uh, who prepped at St. Andrews and, and was a Fordham transfer. Um, that was a critical contribution in that game. Um, you know, and you, you just, I, I really like at the outset of programs, you know, coaches in their first or second year, the way that they're able to cobble together some, some contributions at times, you know, maybe not necessarily something that you see coming, um, you know, players who just, randomly from the outside, you would say they randomly chip in, but from the inside, the coaches would say, well, I've seen this player practice and I know what they can do. It's just a matter of getting it to come out on game night. And when you have that happen as a coach, it's got to be so rewarding, right? So validating to say, this is what we've worked on. And this was my vision for this player. And here it is on game night and it comes out their hard work rewarded my hard work with them rewarded in that way. I, I, I got to think that fosters a great feeling around any program. Huge. Absolutely. And for us on the outside, like this is, here's the sportscasters mindset, you know, and I think, uh, you know, already Eric Rube stepped in and he's, he's already done it is the fact that something like this happens with somebody like me, a local player. And you're like, wow, this is a great story. I'm going to do this story. We should feature this because, you're right. It's like, wow, where did this come from? We didn't expect this, you know, but coaching staff probably did because they saw it. They had a vision for it, like you said. Um, so then you, and then it turns into, we should tell this story because everybody should know about this, which is why Eric was at the Brown Bryant game, right? You know, which is why at some point I'd like to go up there and say like, hey, let's do a feature, um, you know, and that's makes for a great story. Um, but also when you're in the first year uh, as a new head coach for Lynn Ann, She's looking at it and saying, well, this is somebody that I can lean on here as I build going forward and recruit and bring in new players and have this next wave of Bryant basketball. Yeah, it's been a good start for Lynn Ann. I think they won nine games last year total. Um, you know, right now, yeah. right now they're at five. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and you, you look at their non-conference schedule and, and you thought, yeah, man, there's some landmines here. Are they going to win anything at Florida International? Are they going to? You know, they went down to Seton Hall and, and got kicked pretty good. You know, Seton Hall's a decent team in the Big East. It's like, all right, you know, how are they going to weather this? They've done it pretty well so far. Um, you mm-hmm. know, it's it's been a good start. I would say that, you know, all four of our women's programs at, at this point are in good stead here. Um, you know, if if you consider, uh, you know, where Tammy has taken URI and and Aaron obviously knocking off URI at Providence and and Brown. You know, being the best they've been under Monique and and Lynn Ann showing some early results here, um, really encouraging. You know, something that that the casual college basketball fan in the state 
should take note of as we get a little closer to conference play. I, I think it's it's really encouraging the fact that you know we're going to have seasons here outside of just the men. Um, you know that we're going to have the women playing meaningful games into January, February, March. I, I think that's fun. Really fun, really fun, and it's been fun talking about them too here uh, on the podcast consistently um, because you know they deserve that attention. Um, they deserve you know, everything that's coming their way um, you know, in terms of the the competition too. Um, it's going to be really fun. Like you said, when we get into conference play, um, you know, just to see where they're at uh, in their respective leagues, um, because it's going to, they're going to make it interesting. All four of these programs would be cool. Quite with that, uh, I would ask you at this point, as I traditionally do on the pod, you got anything else? <laughs> no, I think I'm good. Uh yeah, excited to uh, you know see a few games here as we kind of roll into the holidays. Um, I'm excited since we're talking college sports just to see the pageantry of Army Navy at Gillette Stadium tomorrow. Oh goodness! Uh, we're recording yeah. this on a Friday. This is going to be really really fun. Um, you know the news station's already hyping it up with us, uh, but I just I want to see I want to see it. Get my eyes on it. Um, all the traditions, all that. It's going to be really cool to have that in Fox Pro here this weekend. I, I'm weighing going as a fan on Saturday. Uh, you know, and and if I was going as a fan, I would get there a couple hours early to see the March of the Cadets and the March of the Midshipmen to their respective student sections. Uh, you know, I'm told that's very special. Uh, you know, certainly flyovers before that game. You know, keep your eyes in the sky. Um, you know, and then the, the great tradition – at the end of the game, you want to sing second to your student section. You you sing your school's alma mater. Uh, if you win, you get to go second, which it's incredible when you watch those men, um, the way they interact after a game, the fact that they're going to be serving us together for such a, a, a bigger cause than just a football game. Um I'm humbled by it every year. It's a game I watch every year if I'm free. Um, you know, it's a game I've always talked about trying to attend. It's a bucket list type thing. Um, you know, and and I just think, you know, you're watching a group of people who are so selfless, uh, who allow us to sit here and and feel safe and comfortable just recording a podcast on a Friday morning from our homes, uh, you know, speak our minds freely. Um you know, feel like that that nothing bad is going to happen to us just sitting here. Um, and a huge part of that is because of their service. And, uh, yeah. you know, you, you really appreciate that on some base level. Um, and, and the fact that Army-Navy is such a great spectacle and is a national broadcast on CBS and has been for a long time, um, you know, it's just it's it's a wonderful thing. It's it's a it's a great slice of Americana. Um and it's going to be played in New England for the first time here. Yeah, it's America's game, and they call it that for a reason. And I'm excited to see it. Um, and you're right; these guys make the ultimate sacrifice. So um, to be able to to see it, um, and for them to be able to enjoy it like they do, um, is is really really cool. So um, yeah, excited to excited to take it in on Saturday. That will be this Saturday. Next Saturday, we could have a little podcast road trip. Uh, we will get more. Yeah, into maybe. That. maybe. We, we will get more into that on the next edition of the pod late next week. Uh, folks, as always, we thank you for joining us. Coity, 
Thank you. Be good, buddy.